Good morning, saints. Good morning, fellow sinners. Hope everybody had a great trip to fan Thursday. Thanksgiving with my kids. It was awesome. Essentially, there are two types of people in the world. Those people who use PCs. <laughs> and those who use Macs. We are fiercely loyal to Mac computers, those of us who are Mac people, because we believe in the adage, once you go Mac, you never go back. And that was the case for me for all these many years until uh, last week. As PCs have the dreaded blue screen of death that pops up when the system freezes, so too Macs have their equivalent. It's a little more subtle. Actually, it's a little more annoying. It's a little swirly pinwheel of death when this system freezes up. So your Mac, you're trying to, you're in the middle of something. The next thing you know, you see this little teeny tiny pinwheel the size of your pinky going, and you can't get rid of it. And sometimes the only way to get out of it, and this is the same for a PC, is you just got to restart the computer. You have to do the dreaded hard reboot of the system. When you do a hard reboot of the computer, you know you're going to lose something, right? Odds are you've been working on a plane reservation through kayak or something, and you've been 30 minutes trying to get the right connections and the right price, and all of a sudden the blue screen of death or the pinwheel of death will come up and you have to go, oh no, turn off the computer crash. It's gone. Maybe you're working on a term paper or a sermon when all of a sudden it gets buggy and you have to hard reboot the machine. You lose everything. Well, today's scripture from Matthew is about God's hard reboot to the system. It's about humanity's understanding of time. Whereas Christmas, the Christmas day as Pam talked about with her kids, uh, looks at God's first advent, God's first coming, our coming to us in the baby Jesus. Today, on the very first Sunday of Advent, we pause and we look at the second coming, the second advent of Jesus, the second coming. We don't greet a little boy, a little baby. We greet the Prince of, King, Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We begin the second advent of Jesus this season to remind ourselves that God will make good on God's promises. So though we have this long wait for the birth of Christ, we are starting with the end in mind to remind ourselves that God will make good on God's promises, will come again, and will not leave us forsaken, orphaned, and alone. It's a reminder that when we look to the sky and we shake our fists and, and we cry out, God, life isn't fair, God 
is telling us through remembering the second advent, beloved, I know it's not fair. Hold on. I'm coming. Like a computer, our life and world have a bug that has slowed our performance and our capacity to do what we are made to do. And the bug infecting us is the theological word we call sin. And what is sin? Sin is that part of our human condition that generates our propensity to deface the image of God in God himself, in our neighbor, in ourself, and in our creation. Jesus comes and demonstrates God's perfect plan for how we are to live during the first advent. But we see how far that got Jesus, don't we? Got him nailed to a tree. Jesus was sent to save the system so that when it crashes, there will still be hope of a clean reinstall. <laughs> Today we learn about Jesus' hard reboot to the system, beloved. Some call it the second coming. Some call it the quote-unquote rapture. Uh, that word itself is not in Scripture, by the way, the rapture. Um, we also call it the apocalypse. We hear that from uh, John's Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation. Um, the apocalypse, the, the, the rapture, the, the, the second coming is God's system reboot. It's when everything is quickly turned off, but then not destroyed reinstalled, fully restored. So let us look at our scripture today about this reboot that God talks about. And let's look at it with a fresh perspective on how we are to get ready for that time. Today's words are from Matthew. Jesus has been around the temple talking about and teaching his friends uh, about uh, the final days of his life. And he's in the midst now of telling them about uh, getting ready for the second advent. So here is Jesus talking. Listen to the word of the Lord. Matthew 24, beginning with verse 36. Jesus says, But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father, for as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. At that time, two will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding a meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, 
you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. It's a hard word of the Lord, but it's the word of the Lord. Now, this is an unusual apocalyptic text from Matthew. Unlike the Apostle John, where he writes in Revelation about all these fantastic cosmic events of good and evil and the powers engaging in the air with the lady with ten horns and Gog and Magog, you know, the United States and Russia fighting until death, um, as we interpret that. Matthew is much more subtle. Matthew is much more subtle on the way the second advent takes place. You see, Matthew, he, he says Jesus' second advent, second coming, is going to come not after great signs in the sky with comets flashing and all these things going on in the world. He says Jesus is going to come in the ordinariness of our life. Jesus is going to come during the ordinary daily routine of our life. Just like Noah, people were hanging out, people were doing their thing, people were hanging up in a good time, people were partying, people were getting married, people were carrying on. Next thing you know, the flood comes. It's going to happen. Jesus is going to come in the midst of our ordinary life. Jesus is telling the disciples, listen, you can look for all the signs you want. But the deal is this, when the redemption of creation is going to happen, it's going to come in the midst of your ordinariness. In other words, when you are in the Starbucks line waiting to get your coffee. Disciples are called to live our lives expectantly. with an expectant hope that whenever that fateful day arrives, we are prepared. Jesus walks up to a farmer at a harvest time, taps him on the shoulder and says, excuse me, guess what time it is? A woman is pushing a grocery cart in Publix and turns down the spice aisle, bumps into Jesus. (laughs) She says, oh, excuse me. And he says, child, it's time. You were fast asleep in your house in the middle of the night when the high-tech, simply safe alarm you picked up at Best Buy on Good Friday or on Black Friday failed to detect Jesus as he entered the house. And he gently comes over, shakes your shoulder, and says, Hello, wake up, time to go. Jesus is going to come in the mundane, ordinary stuff of our life. Are we ready? Matthew is painting a picture of humanity getting wrapped up in everyday activities when the time of judgment comes. We'll be out at dinner enjoying a fine wine and a filet, and then it's time. We're at a Super Bowl party when the really bad halftime show is over. And we're immediately brought face to face with the glorified Christ. Then again, we may be at the premier wedding event of Fort Lauderdale. Fancy mansion on the water. 
The bride is about to say, I do, when the fulfillment of time comes. We are now in the midst of judgment. You see, the deal is this. We can look for signs until we are blue in the face, but Matthew is spelling it out. Look all you want. It's going to happen in the midst of the everyday. Be ready. God will show up in the most mundane events of our lives. So be ready, Jesus says. You see, Matthew, in the second coming, he's not so much about sign reading. Matthew is more about life living in a state of readiness. Matthew's not so focused on signs as he is on being ready. Furthermore, it's a word directed not only to individuals. Unlike today's modern Christianity in America where we think faith is all about me and Jesus, it's not. Newsflash. It's about we and Jesus. You, me, them, and Jesus. See, when Jesus is speaking you in our text today, it's not a singular you. It's plural. He's saying, all of y'all must be ready, church. All of y'all must be ready, church. He's asking us, church, what are are you as a Christian community doing to help each other get ready for the moment of, of reckoning in the second coming. Are you off doing your own thing for your own little salvation story or are you working together as community to ensure that all of y'all are ready as well as those folks out there too? You see, the Christian church has done a pretty poor job, I think, of letting people know about coming judgment, especially in the main line. We need to rethink what we understand of judgment because we have painted it with lots of coats of different colored paint and quite frankly, we've made it really difficult to understand what judgment means. We have acquiesced the real power and the story of judgment to the people or to the fringes of those who've made a spectacle of Christ's return and can date it based on their scientific algorithms. Bull. Those on the theological left have ignored the whole concept of judgment, have buried it in the sands of antiquity, and have widely ignored the fact that all of us will have to come face to face one day before God and give an accounting. But to them, it's an intellectual exercise. For those on the extreme theological right, they are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And they totally forget this new life in Christ that begins the moment we say, I believe. I pledge allegiance to Christ. Judgment for them is all about their salvation. It's about standing before God behind this judge's bench. And we're told... You go to the right, you're going to heaven, go left, take the escalator down. And that's judgment. 
You see, we forget that salvation is the present reality that leads in the now into the future. Church, today we have to ask ourselves, are we ready? We mistakenly think God's first question at judgment is simply going to be, do you love me? Did you do good for me? When the reality, I think, the question is going to be, did you demonstrate your love for me by the way you cared for those around you? See, we want to make it all about me, all about my salvation. God is interested in us, community, people. The issue is how much have I sacrificed myself to help others to get before the judgment seat of God, sacrificed in the same way Jesus did for me. I truly believe that when we come to see God face to face, I think God's questions will be, I gave my son so others may have life. So who, Christian, who, church, did you give your life for to bring and usher into the kingdom of God in Jesus' winsome wake of love? One of the striking moments in the blockbuster movie, Titanic, from years ago is the scene where the ship is going down. People are scurrying all aboard the ship, trying to get off the ship into the lifeboats. Everybody is scrambling, pulling people, pulling each other out of the way to get a seat in the lifeboats. They wanted to be saved first. And this chaotic scene is just opposed you know, where people in first class are demanding they get in the lifeboats before others because they paid for the seat. That is juxtaposed with the scene, and this was a, a true, true life, true story, where Wallace Hartley, an Englishman who had an orchestra of eight, sat playing on the boat as the boat was sinking and people were running around. Wallace Hartley and his band wanted to be peaceful. They wanted to bring a sense of grace and calmness to the group on the boat as this tragedy was unfolding. So in the midst of all the panic, in the midst of all this jostling for the seat in the boat, they quietly and calmly played Nearer, my God, to thee. They kept their seats. They kept their seats and played so that others would calm down and get to safety. They teach us, Wallace Hartley and his band, that being ready is not so much about our securing our particular seat on the boat. But being ready means stationing ourselves along the way in this life, being prepared to help ushers in this life we encounter to find their seat on the lifeboat. Today's text, my beloved, is a clarion call to be ready 
be ready church. And to be focused upon that which God wants to focus on. Giving up our seat on the lifeboat so others can take it. And it's going to happen in the ordinariness of our days. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, we come this day and give you thanks and praise. We come and acknowledge that we are a broken people, that we need your help, we need your trust, we need your grace. Lord, we have made salvation all about me, myself, and I. Forgive us. For, Lord, you gave yourself not just for me. We have to remember you gave yourself for the world. And to the world you will return and restore. So, Holy Spirit, through this simple meal, remind us of how you gave yourself so that others may have a seat, that others may gain salvation. Lord, we pray as a church you would nourish us, that you would help us in our ordinary lives be signs of grace to those around us as people will want to come and be a part of the kingdom. Take this bread from its everyday use, separate it. Take this cup from its everyday use, so you separate it. And may this bread and unfermented wine become the body and blood of Christ for us. Holy Spirit, lift us into your presence. And there we break bread joyously together with the saints of the past and of the future and of the now. As we prepare that you're coming again. Amen. Oh,